Welcome to the Italian American Podcast. The first podcast dedicated to helping Italian Americans learn about and celebrate their brilliant heritage. We're your hosts, Anthony Fasano and Dolores Alfieri Taranto. We're first generation and third generation Italian Americans from the same small village outside of New York City. As writers and speakers, we've both spent years exploring Italian American identity. And through this podcast, we continue this exploration with you. In each episode, we talk to dynamic Italian Americans, from athletes to authors to entrepreneurs, to find out how their heritage has influenced their success, their values, and their outlook on life. We do it with a lot of heart, a lot of smarts, and a lot of laughs. <laughs> As the saying goes, there are two types of people, those who are Italian and those who wish they were Italian. Whatever camp you're in, grab an espresso and get your hand gestures ready <laughs> for this episode of the Italian American Podcast. In this episode, we will talk to former Mets pitcher John Franco about all things Italian-American, especially your upbringing, your connection with your parents, which we really love to talk about. Dolores, how are you doing today? Doing very well. This was a fun episode and very exciting. Um, I, as I talk about in the episode, I'm married to a huge Mets fan, so this is a nice treat when I can uh, impress the husband with who we're interviewing. Yeah, it's always a good thing. <laughs> So we want to uh, welcome our new listeners before we jump in. We know with every show we have some of you joining us who haven't heard before. Just know that there are tens of episodes, about 80 something or so that you can listen to just by visiting ItalianAmericanExperience.com or, of course, by uh, subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, which is really easy to do. You just go to the page um, on your phone and hit subscribe. Yeah, absolutely. Please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast because by subscribing every time we publish a new episode, it will get pushed to your phone so you don't miss episodes. Sometimes we get people that email us, I can't find the show, I missed an episode. So all the shows are on the website, italianamericanexperience.com. But if you go to iTunes, you can hit the subscribe button and then you're locked in and you will get us whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So we also want to mention our new neighborhood. We have a wonderful Facebook group that is just growing and growing. And we know we've been talking about it on the show, but because we realized we really want to spread the word and uh, spreading the word is working. More and more of you are joining us and more and more of you are so grateful that you did. So to learn more, you can visit italianneighborhood.com. And please note, you can't just join the group by sending us a request to join on Facebook. You have to visit italianneighborhood.com and follow the directions. We do charge a small yearly fee, and that fee helps to keep the Italian American podcast and the Italian American Power Hour going. So um, you get to meet other Paisani and have great conversations about your heritage and you get to keep this show going. Yeah. And really, this is more than just a Facebook group. First of all, it's a more intimate Facebook group, not like some of the Facebook groups out there that have thousands and thousands of people. This is like a family. And we just started having phone calls as well. We just had a, we had a call recently with author Lou Del Bianco, who's been on the show before his book at a Rushmore shadow, where he went through the story of his grandfather and the photos. And we had conversation, people were on video and that's something we want to do more. So it's a powerful group and we're having a lot of fun with it. And we hope that you will consider joining us. 
us. All right, so now before we get into our interview, I want to tell you a little bit more about our guest for today's show, John Franco. John is a former Major League Baseball left-handed relief pitcher. During a 22-year baseball career spanning 1984 to 2005, he pitched for three different National League teams, the Cincinnati Reds, of course, the New York Mets, and the Houston Astros. His 1,119 career games pitched is a National League record and ranks fourth in Major League history. His 424 career saves ranks fifth all-time in Major League history, ranking second when he retired and remains the most by a left-hander. And of course, for 15 of his 22 seasons, he played for the New York Mets, serving as team captain in his final years with the team. And he gets into that quite a bit. And I think we love to ask people about their upbringings, which of course we always kind of kick things off with. And really Dolores, John like came back to that throughout the entire interview. Sure. He's obviously very connected to uh, his heritage and very proud of it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you're going to really love it. We are really excited about the newest sponsor of the Italian American podcast, and we think you will be too. Have you dreamed of reconnecting with your ancestral homeland by becoming an Italian citizen? Since a change in Italian law has allowed dual citizenship between Italy and the United States, thousands of Italian Americans have done just that. Italian citizenship by descent is granted to those individuals who can prove Italian ancestry even if through several generations. If you or a family member is interested in pursuing their Italian citizenship, contact the law offices of Michael DeSapio for a free consultation to see if you qualify. They are a full-service law firm based in New Jersey that has served clients throughout the United States in assisting with dual citizenship applications. Mike will work with you and his experienced network of researchers, genealogists, and translators, both in Italy and the U.S., to guide you through the process. Don't miss the opportunity to reclaim your right to be an Italian citizen. Contact Mike at 908-996-6766 or www.desapioesq.com for more information. Again, that's 908-996-6766. And I got to tell you, Mike is a great guy. He's been a member of our new neighborhood really since inception a few years ago. And he's been an active member. He's very active in an Italian club. He had me come and speak there with my book. He's just a really passionate Italian American. And I highly recommend that you reach out to him again. That number is 908-996-6766. I mean, this is a perfect, we were talking off mic about how perfect this sponsorship is. I mean, not only because it's Mike, right? And he's part of our community. So it's so wonderful to be able to kind of work together to get both of our works out there, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's great to be supporting each other. I mean, that's the whole point of this, but also because exactly our, so many people, uh, so many listeners are really interested in this service. So to have somebody offering it who we love and know, and who is a part of this Italian American community is a great resource. You know, I mean, if you're, if you're interested in this, you should reach out to Mike. Yeah, definitely. Again, call Mike 908-996-6766. All right. Now it's time to jump into our interview with John Franco. All 
All right, now we are excited to welcome John Franco, former Major League Baseball pitcher, to the Italian American Podcast. John, welcome. Well, thanks for having me. Hi, John. We're excited to have you on, and um, I am married to a huge Mets fan. <laughs> so when he heard, <laughs> well, he has good taste. So when he heard you were coming on, he was like, "What?" Very excited. Um, and had nothing but wonderful things to say about you. So uh, this is a this is a treat for him through me. <laughs> <laughs> That's great to know. So we like to start our show just by asking our guests to talk a little bit about their Italian American upbringing. Well, I'm second generation Italian American. My parents were born here. Uh, my grandparents were my mother's mother and father from Italy. My mother is Napoli Don. And my father is Sicilian, so I have a good side and a... <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice mix right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a passive-aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> Just a regular Italian-American household. Uh, you know, my mother's side of the family, she had the two brothers, two sisters, plus herself, my father, brother, and sister. Basically, the holidays, the big... Uh, on Christmas Eve, the seven fish and then uh, pastas every Sunday. And uh, just uh, proud to be Italian-Americans and growing up in Brooklyn, New York, where we were surrounded by a lot of Italians, Italians and Italian-Americans. And it was just a pleasure growing up to, in the area where I, uh, I grew up. I grew up in the Marlboro Projects in Brooklyn. And all around us was all Italian neighborhoods, and it was great. Um, what neighborhood is that in, the Marlboro Projects? It is considered Gravesend, Brooklyn. Okay. Gravesend, Bath Beach. Right. Yeah, I actually learned where Gravesend was just recently because I, I met a couple friends who who uh, live there now, but I hadn't known about it, really. It's a near Bensonhurst, right? Right. There's a great pizza place called L&B Spumoni Gardens. That's a pretty good pizza place. Yes, yeah, Spumoni so Gardens. Yes, everyone says L&Bs. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. All right. I, I highly recommend it. Well, so you really grew up in a very Italian enclave, I and mean, that was doesn't get more Italian than that area, really. I mean, even still. Yes, exactly. And uh, it just so happens I married an Italian girl from the neighborhood whose family is from Italy. So uh, her mother, father speak uh, broken English. And uh, when I married her, I always told her I married you for your mother's cooking. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like my husband. <laughs> My, uh, you know, my wife is a great cook, but uh, her mother is uh, off the chart. I had the privilege to marry my wife and marry into her family, and uh, they are as Italian as you get. Right. So you have a, a very Italian household then. You know, your your children are really raised with two full-blooded Italians. Yes, absolutely. And uh, grandma and grandpa uh, speak broken English. Uh, my kids understand it a little bit, not as much. I don't I wish I did understand it. My mother talked it with my grandmother, but I never picked it up. I was just I guess I just didn't jump in the jump in the, the ring right there and try to learn a second language. Yeah, we hey, hear that a lot. Hey John, we're always interested too in terms of, you know, tell us a little bit about your parents. I mean, obviously you went on, which we'll get into, to play major league baseball. And a lot of times in Italian American families, parents are very you know, supportive of, you know, careers and helping their kids. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit. You know, I have an older brother who's five years older than I. So uh, I always used to go watch him play uh, little league. And, uh, and I was always the little brother on the shirt tails there. And uh, 
My father was a member of the uh, Police Athletic League, and he was one, on one, one of the board members. So I was always around baseball at an early age. My father was very supportive. My mother was very supportive. But my mother, she always thought she was bad luck. You know, a typical Italian mother, she thought she was bad <laughs> luck. Like when she would come to game, something bad would happen. And, uh, you know, when I was in Little League, just somebody was talking bad about her son. She didn't like it, so she would get all upset and try to argue with another woman. And Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, she would... She would like stay away sometimes, but uh, she always thought she was bad luck, but uh, she was. She did it out of love. Yeah. My father was the guy that uh, playing Little League, got me up early in the morning to go make sure I was there on time, make sure I had a good breakfast. Uh, in fact, uh, the group of guys that I grew up with, we were all on the same teams. And my father was like the, the group dad that he'd make sure, make sure we had nine guys to field the team and make sure we were out there playing. And then all through high school, he was there at every game, didn't miss any games. Uh, through college, uh, he was he works for the Department of Sanitation, and uh, he used to get off at uh, 45 minutes before game time at St. John's University and drive from Brooklyn to Queens to watch me pitch. Wow. So he was at bit of the mostly all of my games. Uh, when we went to the College World Series, he uh, started out driving. He didn't like to fly, typical time dad, didn't like to fly, <laughs> but... Uh, so he would he much rather drive to Omaha, Nebraska, and unfortunately his car broke down somewhere in Pennsylvania, so he had to turn back. <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> Hard-headed. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like they were extremely supportive. Yeah. I learned, you know, I learned a lot from him how to respect the game, respect the people who play the game. We went to ball games. My brother, myself, and my dad. We weren't allowed to boo mm. because he just didn't think it was right. Mm. To this day, I still don't think it's right, but, you know, that's how the game and uh, society has changed so much. But uh, we were there, and we, we studied the game and watched the game. My brother loved the things about baseball statistics, but he always used to write all statistics down about the his favorite team was the Mets. And uh, it was just a great upbringing uh, with my dad and brother. Like I said, my brother's five years older than I, and we used to play all types of games and he would let me win all the way up until the end. And then he beat me. So that made me more. <laughs> wow. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Huh, that's yeah, interesting. yeah. I mean, he would make me win until like the eighth or ninth inning. And then all of a sudden he'd come out of nowhere and score like four or five runs and whatever it would be stick ball or wall ball or saddle ball, whatever kind of ball we were playing. He was there, but it, it helped me. Uh, it helped me along the way. That's for sure. Yeah. He probably knew that he was probably pushing you. Yeah, for sure. Hey, John, what was it like when you, made it to the major leagues for your family, like your father, you know, they had supported you all this way. What was it? Yeah. Well, it's a funny story. I, you know, I got drafted by the Dodgers in the fifth round of my junior year out of uh, St. John's. And my father was a Brooklyn Dodger fan. So so less it kind of like, he was really, really happy about that because mm-hmm. he had his Brooklyn Dodger roots. But when the Dodgers left, he went over to be a Mets fan, but still deep down inside, he was a Dodger fan. So when I was with the Dodgers and I got drafted. We had an idea I was going to get drafted, but we just didn't know how high I was going to go in the draft. Once I got fifth round, the draft was on a Monday. I was on a plane on Wednesday headed to Vero Beach. Because that's how fast I wanted to sign and get my professional career wow. going. And uh, my family was very, very supportive, very, very happy. You know, they've been supportive all through the years in high school, travel ball, and in college. And then once I made it to uh, the minor leagues, they were right there. When I had bad games, I 
They didn't have cell phones back then, so I used to call collect, and my father used to get mad. He called and collected. <laughs> That's funny. And and so I would imagine that when you came to New York, it was just a thrill for them. Yes, it was. When I I was with the, the Cincinnati Reds, and the Reds had offered, when I got traded to the Dodgers to the Reds, and then I was with the Reds for six years, which I thought was a great for me to start my career in Cincinnati. It was a great baseball town and a really matured me along the way and how to uh how to act as a player and i i owe a lot of a lot of that to tom hume who was a relief pitcher for the cincinnati reds who i uh adore to this day he's one of my favorite people that he taught me how to act on and off the field and i never forget that he won a roll age relief award as top relief man and i saw that trophy at his house and i said hopefully one day i would win one of those awards Hmm. but uh it, it was great when i got traded it was on mother's day no, well, I'm sorry. It was, it was, I'm thinking of my first trade. The second trade, when I got traded to the to the Mets, uh, the Reds had called me up about three or four days prior to my trade being traded and said uh, they want to offer me a three-year contract. And what what am I looking for? And I said I really don't know. I haven't talked to my agent. But all through the through the weeks in in New York City, there was speculation that I was going to be traded to the Yankees, the Yankees, the Yankees, and. When I got the phone call from the general manager of the Reds, they said, you've been traded to New York. And I said, well, okay, you know, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, but he didn't tell me. Which New York? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he just said New York. So once I hung up the phone, I said, I got traded to New York. And my brother and, and uh, my wife had said, well, which New York team? I said, well, I'm suing the Yankees because that's all I've been talking about. And five minutes later, I got a phone call from uh, Joe McElvain, who was the GM for the Mets. And then the party city started because I grew up in that band. Wow. And, uh, there was and I would have loved them playing. My favorite pitcher was Tug McGraw and the 69 Mets. So all those players were my favorite players. And I was very fortunate uh, to meet most of them was in the organization. That's amazing. The rest is history. Talk about a dream come true. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it was. Not many, not many guys could say that they uh, played for the team that they were rooting for growing up. Right. Uh, when I played in Cincinnati, we had three or four guys on the team, uh, Paul O'Neill and Barry Larkin and Buddy sure. Bell and uh, Ron Osler. They were all from the Cincinnati area, and they all uh, grew up Reds fans, and they were playing for the Reds. So I would say, man, hopefully one day I get to play for my favorite team. Hmm, love that. John, you mentioned something that we talk about a lot on the show, which is the values that we were raised with are almost old fashioned today. And you mentioned that your father taught you not to boo. And I imagine because he saw that as something that was just disrespectful and he wanted you right to be respectful. I grew up first generation. So my parents came here from Italy after they got married. So I grew up very much with old fashioned values. And when I was a teenager, maybe I wasn't so crazy about them. But as I got older, you realized what how wonderful it was to be raised that way because it gives you such character. So I just wonder if you can talk a little bit about that and also how those values really served you on your way to being so successful and, and maybe even, you know, on the field. Well, those values being respectful to your players around you, the coaches, the front office people, your teammates, just respect the game. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. And uh, and, then, you know, there's a lot of guys who grew up, grew up the same way that didn't respect it, but uh, it's up to the individual to take it. Mm, well said. Respect's a big thing in our culture, I feel like. 
Yeah, yep. definitely. It is a big thing and it's important. And yeah, as you said, Dolores, John's mentioned it a few times already. And I think that that's great. And so John, back to, you know, in your career, you, then you were coming to New York and what was it like, you know, like the first time you got to the stadium, just getting into it there, was it everything that you kind of thought it would be? It was great. It was great. It was everything I thought it would be pitching there, putting a Met uniform on. It was everything I dreamed of, uh, you know, being in part of a locker room and, you know, I had to pinch myself a couple of times. Yeah, I'm sure. And you spent quite a bit of time. Was it 15, 15 seasons or? Yeah. 15 years with the Mets. Yeah. A total of almost 22 years in the big leagues. Wow. That's wow. a nice record. <laughs> yeah. It's a long, it's a long stint for sure. Um, and as we mentioned earlier in the show, we gave you some, uh, some of John's bios and then stats. He had a, a, a great career. And again, it's something I think that all I think athletes, you know, dream about in the backyard when they're a kid is playing for your home team in a professional way. So it's great that you were able to do that. And what was it like towards the end, John? I mean, you play as an athlete, you know, you obviously retire from playing the sport at, at a younger age than most people end up ultimately retiring in their career. You know, I'm just curious, like what that transition is like for someone who played for so long. It gets tough as you get older because in your mind you still feel that you can do it, but your body's telling you you can't. It was tough. You never want to give it up, but uh, there comes a time that you got to say, hey, I got to go, you know, and uh, I had a great career, and I wouldn't change a thing for, uh, for the world right now. Yeah, no, that's great. So that first year, John, after the 22nd season when you weren't playing baseball, was it, I'm sure it was a little bit, obviously it was different, but was there something that you did in place of it? Or was there something that you did just to, you know, to kind of move on from that or? Well, I always envisioned myself uh, as soon as I finished to go right into coaching or maybe managing or something like that. And, uh, I think the best thing for me was to take a little time away from the game. I have a son who was in high school and I got to see him play a lot of high school ball, a lot of college ball. I traveled around and watched him. He went to Brown university. I got to go, you know, watch him play. I didn't miss a game. I, I felt like my father all over again, driving to <laughs> Providence, Rhode Island, on a leaving downtown Manhattan at 11 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday and driving up to Providence, getting up there by 3, watching the game and driving back the fall, that, that same night, traveling around the country and watching him play against uh, various colleges all around the country. And then uh, slowly but surely, uh, Omar Manaya had brought me back with the Met organization to be one of the club ambassadors. And I've been the club ambassador since I believe 2007, 2008. I just started doing some little player development stuff last year. My son, JJ is in the Met organization. He finished last year in double A. He's an infielder. Oh. So I get to, uh, I get to enjoy watching him play and still watching the Met organization play and teaching some of the young players in our organization, some of the skills that I learned along the way. When you're playing at that level, John, are you still able to maintain, you know, a lot of the traditions of being Italian American? Because we have we have a lot of listeners who ask us, how do we as our lives get busier and we get more successful? You know, how do you maintain traditions? I, I, I try to make, you know, we still have, it, you know, Italian meals on Sundays. I love my pasta today. When I was a starting pitcher in the minor leagues, I used to make, my father used to make me spaghetti with collagen oil. That was ah, that's the best. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> my favorite dish and get your carbs in that. And, you know, I make that now for my kids. And, uh, 
Well, you just try to keep the tradition going. You know, I, uh, I owe a lot of credit to my wife, Rose. So she comes from an Italian family, and she kept the family on that straight course, almost like being a single mom, you know, because our schedules were away mm. so much. Yeah. Uh, you know, staying with school with the kids and, and uh, making sure they're after school things that they're involved in. But, uh, and then I would come home in the off season and kind of screw things up a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, just throw them out of their uh, regular routine and then right. a curveball at it. So, But uh, you just try to keep the tradition. Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of players who have the traditional things. You know, the Latin players have traditions and the, uh, the Italian players that I've known still have the tradition where, you know, we love to eat. And that's one of the things that we love to do. And playing in New York, uh, they have so many great Italian restaurants and even the food after the game was uh, a lot of Italian food. So you got to watch uh, too, because you could very easily get out of shape. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's right. Th- that's for sure. We, uh, and we had also, um, we've interviewed Mike Piazza on the, on the podcast as well, John. And he, of course, an Italian baseball player who also, you know, shared a lot of what you said in terms of his Italian upbringing and how it supported him. And, uh, you know, did you ever find that like playing with other Italian American players that, it, you know, you had a connection with them or. Uh, you always feel that, you know, somewhere along the lines we're related somewhere, you know, and it's, right. uh, <laughs> yeah. I always remember the line that Tommy Lasorda used to say that two kinds of people in the world, Italians and people who want to be it. Right. <laughs> Uh, That's right. Uh, Tommy was one of my favorite favorite people to be around when I was with the Dodger organization too. And even to this day, when I see him, he gets mad because the Dodgers traded me. So, uh, you know, when you're with a, a fellow Italian players, uh, you almost have the same type of uh, upbringing, no matter what part of the country you're in. You know, you still talk about the traditions and the, and right. the holidays and our family and stick together with family and stuff like that. That's great. Yeah, it's an easy bond. So one story uh, my husband told me about you when when I, I let him know you were coming on the show is that because your father worked for the Department of Sanitation, you were known for for always wearing an orange shirt underneath your uniform in honor of him. Yes, that's true. My father worked for the Department of Sanitation for 19 years, six months. He had six months to go for his 20th year on a job, and he uh, unfortunately had a heart attack while he was working and passed. So oh, uh, the T-shirt that he used to wear for work was an orange T-shirt underneath his uniform that I took and I wore every day for the 22 years I was in the big leagues. That shirt seen so many holes in it and it's been sewn <laughs> oh. up. And it, I mean, if you pick it up now, it just probably ripped. So I still have it somewhere in my, uh, my baseball bag. But uh, that was my way of honoring him because of what he sacrificed for me. Oh, that's just beautiful. It is. That's uh, amazing. I have, um, so my father passed away about 10 years ago and my husband, I know he told me that story for a reason because obviously he knows me very well. And I, I find that sentimental things like that, you know, things like a shirt that they wore or a note they wrote you once, they become very important when they're gone and they are a way to honor them. The one thing I did was uh, I put my first all-star ring on my father's finger and send him to the grave with that. So he, I tell him that he was a big part of that. Oh, wow. oh my goodness. That's... That's beautiful because you really honored and recognized how you got to where you got because of him in many ways. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, him working, him driving me, him getting up early. 
the one thing my brother and I always laugh at is when uh, my father used to wake us up, he had these heavy hands and he just, he just slap us on the legs and it felt like we were getting Charlie horses every morning. But <laughs> you know, I'm sure realized, you know, what it meant. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I'm sure it's not just Italian Americans, but I do find, I do find with Italian Americans that that is a big thing where you really recognize what your parents and your grandparents sacrificed for you. I live with that every day. Absolutely. If it wasn't for them paving the way for us, uh, you know, giving us the opportunities to do what we do, uh, who knows where we would wind up at? You know, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think the kids are tying now, but the kids from the Kansas City Royals, uh, he was like a top draft pick and uh, he surprised his mom and dad by paying off their mortgage for the yeah, house. Yeah, I saw uh, that, yeah. Really? And, you know, the mom and dad, you know, for all the sacrifices that they, they did and taking out loans and taking them everywhere. I mean, that's a beautiful story. That's to give them back. You know, that's what it's all about, to give back. I yeah. have chills. I didn't know that. Yeah, and, and I think what's <laughs> great about it, and I'm, you know, I have three young kids and I coach them all in sports. And, you know, my father also coached me. I think what happens is, as John said as well, is that, that's where you learn your values. That's where you learn kind of the importance of helping guiding your kids. And that's why we end up doing the same thing that they did, you know, and I'm coaching them and I'm running around now, you know, coaching eight in the morning, <laughs> noon at yeah. night, we got a night game. We got a travel game. We're all over the place. But again, it's because the impression that was left on you and the values that you built, it kind of yeah. helps you to, to carry that on. John, so let's talk a little bit about the Italian American Baseball Foundation. Um, that's kind of how we got connected with John. Can you tell us like a little bit about that, that organization? Because I know you're involved with that. Well, uh, Joe Quigliano uh, approached me a couple years ago to try to be part of the Italian American Baseball Federation Foundation. I thought it was great. I mean, my first honoree was Piazza, and then I think we uh, last year, two years ago, we did Bobby Valentine, and then last year, this year, I was honored. But what they're trying to do is make Italians uh, in Italy aware of baseball and trying to help them enhance their games, get their games better, trying to maybe bring some players over from Italy here into the States, maybe to get into the, some great college programs or even sign professional contracts. So I got involved. I thought it was a great idea. We went over this summer and we put on a bunch of clinics in Rome and Natuno and Salerno. And it was just a great trip. We got to know a lot of the Italian coaches, a lot of the Italian kids. And the one thing that we realized after the trip is that we just don't want to concentrate on the kids from Italy. We want to concentrate on the kid, the Italian-American kids here in the States also who are less fortunate to be able to uh, afford a college or afford a high school or help them in any way that we can. So that's one of the things that we're, we're talking about. And I think that we, we're going to set up a scholarship for uh, boys and girls, uh, you know, boys for baseball, girls for softball. And if we can get a couple of kids from Italy to come over here and obviously the kids here in the States who are, who are, or who, who can use it. And that's what we're trying to do. And, and, it's, and this, this organization has grown so much in the two or three years that we're outgrowing the restaurant that we've had the dinners at. And, and what we're doing is we're also looking for big time sponsors. You know, we have Italian Americans and Italians who own big time, big time companies. And if they can help us out and support and give grants and, and whatever they can do to help us to support these kids, that's what we're going to do. Right. That's great. Sounds, sounds like a, a wonderful idea. What was the reaction when you were in Italy, you know, with the kids that you were working with? It was great. Thank God I had an interpreter, but it was great. Uh, you know, I was <laughs> football, 
you know, how to play the game correctly, show them the right way to cover bases, how to throw certain pitches, what to work on, how to prepare during the off season, how to get stronger, what type of weight training they should do and the type, type of running they should do. They're very, very, very receptive. They were like sponges and uh, they took it all in and it, we just had a great time there. Yeah, that's great. And for those of you who want to check out and learn more about the Italian American Baseball Foundation, you can go to IABF.foundation and you can learn all about it. There's some videos, talks about what they're doing and events and things of that nature. Hey, John, one question that I had for you that I, I kind of always wanted to ask, you know, someone, a professional athlete is, especially in New York, is what is it like when you're just like walking around the streets and there's like, you know, everyone knows who you are, obviously. I mean, obviously now it's maybe a little different because there's a lot more digital stuff going on. But, right. you know, when you walk around your neighborhood, I mean, you know, it's your neighborhood. I mean, what was that? What's that like? When I was playing with the Mets, I lived in Staten Island. So, you know, you needed to get in your car and drive everywhere. And then I moved to Manhattan probably the last two, three years of my career. And, and the neighborhood's great. You know, with a, I'm just a regular dad watching guys, my son play ball, uh, in uh, downtown in Tribeca, where I live, there are uh, a lot of celebrities, actors, and, and a lot of you know celebrity people down there. So, you know, I think they, they treat athletes a little bit different. You know, everybody says hello. I get the only good thing now, I don't have to worry about anybody booing me because I'm not playing. <laughs> <laughs> so so even in New York, it was like, you know, you, you were able to like, you know, not, I wouldn't say blend in, but for the most part, you could go around and do whatever you had to do and you kind of did regular things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know how many people I've seen, you know, I have this, we have a little dog, about 10 pounds, and I walk him around in the neighborhood, and people are like, oh, there's John Franco walking a dog. You know, we're human beings just like everybody else. We right. go out pants on one thing <laughs> at a time. We eat pizza. We ride, I, you know, I ride the subway everywhere here in the city. So my job was I was on TV a lot. I was right. on the radio. I was in newspapers, whereas, you know, a CEO of a company isn't exposed as much as I was, but you know, that, that comes with the territory when you, when you decide to be a professional athlete. Did you see it like that? Like as a job, just like the way your dad woke up every morning and went to his job. Yeah, it was my job, you know, being a professional athlete, you know, the New York Mets paid me a lot of money to do what I did. I love what I did. And my job was to save ball games and help that organization win as many games as we can on the field, off the field. I think it's very important for players to get involved in their community and get involved with charities and to show that, you know what, just because we're players don't mean we turn our backs on people who are, who are less fortunate than us. Yeah, mm, that's, that's great. And, and John, actually to that point, let's talk about that for a minute. Cause you saved a heck of a lot of baseball games. I mean, over 400 saves in your career, which is tremendous. And I'm always wondering, and I haven't had the chance to talk to a professional closer, it takes a special kind of person, of course, to be able to go into these games at the end of the games and close them out. It's like high pressure stuff, right? For sure. Do you think it's something, I mean, obviously it's something that you have to be able to do mentally in addition to physically. Yes. Yeah, you got to be mentally strong, short term memory. I always tell people that the closer's role is similar to a field goal kicker. Every time a field goal kicker makes a kick, it's great. Every time you, you save a game, it's great. It's only the ones when you miss a field goal and blow a save, that's the ones that they remember. So, yeah, like I said, you got to have short-term memory, turn the page. Um, Jim Cott was a pitching coach of mine one time, and he'd come out and put his arm around you and point to the sky and say, hey, look, the sun came up today. It's a new day. So you just have to have a short-term memory. And uh, 
may personally, I love being in those pressure situations. It made me concentrate more, made me bear down more. Hmm. Mm, very interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. John, listen, you've had a great career. You're keeping yourself busy. It sounds like still between, you know, doing stuff with the Mets, doing stuff with the Italian American Baseball Foundation. What are your kind of plans from here? Are you just going to kind of keep trying to help out where you can and be involved with the game where you can or? Absolutely. I'm just uh, trying to chug along, survive, maybe down the road, maybe a pitching coach or a manager one day, but I'm enjoying what I'm doing now, you know, helping the Italian American Baseball Foundation, watching my son have it, uh, going to Italy and enjoying vacations and uh, whatever tomorrow brings, it brings. Sounds like a nice retirement to me. <laughs> Quote unquote, you you I use retirement. Try to try not to get too fat. That's what I'm trying to. Do. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like from the from the way your wife cooks, that's probably not that easy to do, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Well, John, listen, thank you so much for giving us some time here. We appreciate it. We started this podcast because we're passionate about helping Italian Americans, you know, dig a little bit deeper into their culture, which is why we like talking with different Italian Americans and understanding how, you know, their traditions and their values help them in your careers. And right. you, cer you certainly really opened up on that today. And we really appreciate it. And we appreciate the time. Well, thanks for having me. Good luck. Continue good success with the show. Remember, in two years from now, or next year, I think, uh, the World Classic, uh, make sure you guys root for Team Italy. Yeah. All right, will do. That's easy. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed the interview with John Franco. I know as a, a baseball fan myself, it was a thrill to get to talk to him. And, you know, he really did, you know, live up to the expectations in terms of really going into his Italian-American heritage and tying it in to baseball and then what he's doing today. So now I'd like to kick it over to Dolores, as usual, to take us out. I'm going to read some iTunes review their reviews. Um, this is a funny one that I made me laugh when I read it because the subject line is hope to be number 100 with an exclamation mark. <laughs> and I'm sorry, Michael USA. I don't know if you were number 100. There's not, I, it's hard for me to tell, but it made me laugh because obviously Michael USA listened to the episode where we said we had 99 reviews. And uh, if you went and left a review, maybe you could be lucky 100. So that made me laugh a little bit inside joke between a, a listener and the hosts in the show. So thanks for that. Um, beautiful five-star review. Love the show and the diversity of topics. Keep up the great work as we are always listening. Thank you so much. That means a lot to us. And then this one from Delessa611 saying favorite podcast, also five stars, truly my favorite podcast, not just because I'm Italian and love learning about my heritage, but because this cast of characters brings so many different angles to the many conversations of the show. They're educated, funny, and passionate. And that's a great combination. I'm always looking forward to the next episode. Love hearing that. That's thank awesome. you so much. Yeah, thank we, you. We really appreciate these reviews. Please keep them coming and keep on listening. You can find us on social media as well. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can find us by searching Italian American Podcast. Arrivederci. Arrivederci.